into the world. But to change the world in a way that means anything, it's slow, it's methodical. Welcome to 2-Bit Encryption, the officially unofficial podcast for Mr. Robot on USA. That's what it's on, right? Yep. The I'm USA Jim. Network. I'm Aaron. Uh, we're here to talk today about Season 3, Episode 3, titled Episode 2, 3.2 underscore Legacy dot S-O. Uh, what do you think of this episode? So someone emailed me last week that, that looked like that this was going to be a Tyrell-centric episode and what I think about that. I'm like, oh, oh boy. fuck me. Uh-huh. I actually liked it. I actually okay. liked it a lot. I felt like some of this is digging themselves out of some of the narrative holes of last season. <laughs> uh-huh. um, that certainly seems to be a popular thread going around in the internet critic critic circles um, and fan circles. That uh, you know they're that like oh season two is going to be amazing on a rewatch because all these details filled in. I don't know about all that, but um, I I thought it was pretty engaging um, and it fleshed out. I, I still like Tyrell is not one of my favorite characters, um, mm-hmm. but I feel like they made him an interesting character. Like I, I don't particularly like him, but I'm interested in that, see how he fits into the world and this weird love affair he has with Elliot, or is it Mister Robot, um, or does it matter? Uh, I think <laughs> I, that that's that's cool. What do you think? Yeah, I have generally the same feelings. I think the. Overall, I really liked this episode, maybe the best of the season so far. Um, but th- there was the whole time this general like retcon feeling. Mm. Like wh- I, this, this is the easiest way to say like, yeah, we meant all of that. Uh, here's what we had in mind in, at the beginning of season two, and I know a lot of this stuff they did. They clearly did. Uh-huh. Some of this stuff I'm not so sure, and well... it, it, I just got the general. Ooh, are they doing a retcon here feeling the whole time? Also, people were saying there's evidence in, like, episode 1.8 that Sam Elliott suggested that this was all going to happen with Tyrell. Like, right. I don't believe for a fucking minute that two and a half years ago, Sam Esmail... Did I say Elliott? Sam Elliott? He's a, he's a <laughs> he was involved, too. He's but... a different cat. Yeah. Uh, Sam Esmail had all this planned out. Like, did he have, like, a thumbnail sketch of it? Sure, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. But, like, you know, credit credit where credit's due. Um, Absolutely. And I, th- I think, like I said, some of it, sure, they they might have had planned out. Some of it felt retconny. But like I said, last week... Overall, I thought it was great. Last week, you tell me that it's going to be all Tyrell all the time, and I would have fallen on my knees and asked you to blow my head off. <laughs> and I survived the episode and actually qu- quite enjoyed it. That's uh, yeah. very low on the tot dab scale. Uh-huh. Uh, there okay. wasn't any really discussion of economics or something that kind of raised my eyebrows. So like it all it, took place in the woods. So how could there yeah, be? <laughs> yeah, can't can't see what's happening when the modern society. If you stay in the stay in the log cabin, chopping wood, can't see the economics for the trees. I think that's the, the <laughs> turn of literally, phrase. Literally the phrase. Yeah. Uh, so what's what's there not to like? I'm all sure right. we'll find something. Pro- probably, but we'll see. Uh, we gotta do some. We gotta do some housekeeping before we get to the main episode. Because boy, oh boy, do we have a lot of house to keep. This house is dirty. This is this is the pod or wait pod pod apocalypse uh, this weekend. Uh, as always, we have Game of Thrones. As always, we have Mister Robot. As always, we yep. have American Horror Story. Uh, Cecily and I recorded what we call our first annual Cinema Spooktacular this week, where mm-hmm. we broke down all the scary movies we watched in the 
the month of October. You can get that on baldmove.com. We also have released all of Stranger Things Season 1 in the last two weeks, um, as well as a preview for this season that started today that Jim and I are going to start marathoning. We're going to finish the whole thing this weekend, have a podcast for every episode. Uh, we missed Suburbicon last night because I had car trouble, uh, but I'm going to see it Monday night and get a, get a review out with my wife. I don't know if you're... Uh, I'm not gonna maybe I'm not gonna yeah. hassle you for it. Yeah, the beginning of the week is tough for us, but uh, sure. and then if you are in the southeast, you might be interested in coming to see us at Huntsville, Alabama, at the Rocket City NerdCon. You can go to RocketCityNerdCon.org. We're going to be uh, uh, hosting a booth all weekend. We've got a couple panels: one on podcasting, uh, one on uh, a mock red wedding from Game of Thrones kind of contest game show type of deal. And then one on, we're going to do a live podcast, I think on Return of the Jedi. That's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a commission podcast that we're going to gonna knock out down there. Uh, uh, once again, it's Saturday, November 4th and Sunday, November 5th. Tickets are available at RocketCityNerdCon.org, Huntsville, Alabama. Check it out. Uh, ready to get into the recap? Yeah. All right. Um, we start off with a flashback to the night of the hack, uh, the the original fucks fucks sosi hack, is mm-hmm. what it's called. Uh, Elliot gets a popcorn gun. He tries to shoot Tyrell, but the gun jams. Tyrell thinks it's a sign, and he goes on about his usefulness to the next stage of the plan, which causes Elliot to agree and let him live. Yeah, unlike some people, Tyrell has seen Pulp Fiction, and he, he knows an act mm-hmm. of God when he sees one for sure. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I this is a pretty good this is this is a pretty good scene. Of course you say Elliot, but we really mean it's Mr. Robot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I use those terms interchangeably. <laughs> and dangerous. And I know. um like the idea that Tyrell's this perfect kind of crazy to protect me from me, I liked because it's like it used to bother me the idea of this collection of very disturbed individuals doing this stuff on a plot level, but it seems like that's something that Esmail is actually intentional. Like there's some sort of chaos probability engine that Zhang slash White Rose is manipulating. So, like, there's this trickle down crazy f- phenomenon where mm-hmm. they're like the, this this disturbed person's using another disturbed person because a sane individual wouldn't do the quote unquote right thing. <laughs> right. right. I mean, that's a pretty intriguing matrixy idea, which is the shit that I fell in love with the show in, to begin with. Yeah, uh, and when you think about it, it does take a certain kind of deranged to go out and do something like this, regardless of the motivation. Well, and also like, I wonder. <laughs> I wonder how much of his or her youth uh, White Rose spent kind of raving in a similar fashion. Like, you know, she, uh, I, I think she thinks of herself as a god. And here we have Tyrell echoing those uh, statements as well. Um, yeah. So, yeah. No, it's it's pretty funny. And then also there's like some, some grim irony when you learn that uh, if Mr. Robot had pulled the trigger to blown his hand off, mm-hmm. probably killed Tyrell too. Yep. Um, so I don't know. What does that say? Like, is there I, that thing? Is like I feel like you know this show invites looking at those deeper meanings, but there's something about Tyrell demanding proof of his like being so zealous and faithful that he's like, you can pull the trigger as many times as you want, and I'm still going to be mm-hmm. here, and knowing absolutely that that's not true. Yeah. Or is this a probability manipulation? Is this an infinite universe type of deal? Like, is it about faith? Is it like right. what? What are they getting at there? 
I mean, uh, it's a good question. Something. I don't really know. Or maybe it's just like, you know, it's it's just supposed to be, gr- like I said, grimly f- funny. Yeah, could be. Um, we didn't really talk about the name of the episode. Maybe we should do that before we get too far in. Um, so the name is episode 3.2 underscore legacy.so. And SO, for the people out there who use Linux, will know that this is a compiled library file, very similar to like a DLL in Windows. Um and the the legacy, the idea of legacy is kind of old technology or which could reflect, you know, the flashback nature of this episode. I thought that was uh, kind of interesting. This is legacy code that they're cleaning up. Yeah. And it's also Tyrell. Sure. That's the, kind of kind of, you know, servicing his legacy here. Right. That, that's like, the tech subtext thing. Yeah. Did trying you, to be a god. <laughs> did you see uh, uh, Sam Esmail this morning uh, quote in Reddit? Because like there was a quote where, you know, like Mr. Robot. But he he goes to say I love you, and he goes, "No, nah, let's let's keep this to subtext." And someone on Reddit yeah. said, "You can't you can't spell because you know the people are going to start doing this. What do they call that slash? Reddit's going to Reddit where they have like you know male protagonists of a series have like you know like oh gay, yeah um, like, like gay fan fiction slash fiction shit. slash fiction is that it? Uh, but someone said like you know it's like Mister Robot. It's like you know keep the subtext. Well, you can't have you can't spell subtext without butt sex. It's true, and it is true. <laughs> it is true. That is a perfect anagram. Right? <laughs> I thought that was funny. That, uh, that so he must because that I don't know. Well, maybe one of and someone brought it to his attention because that was pretty deep in the reaction thread. I was like halfway down four comments nested when I saw that. So, yeah, good work, redditor. Good work. <laughs> Okay, now now we can move on. Uh, yeah. Irving sh- shows up at F Society HQ, the old one. Um, he takes control of the situation. He whisks Tyrell away and tells Elliot to drop Tyrell's car off at the parking lot, which, if you remember the end of, or the, I guess the beginning of season two, it's kind of where we pick up with Elliot after the hack. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we still have this gap. So now we, we know what happened during that time on one side of the fence, but I think we still have a gap with Elliot where we don't know. Yeah, I mean, like people, how did he end up, you know, passed out in that car for multiple days, right? I mean, it seems unlikely he was inactive that whole time. Yeah. It could be that Mr. Mr. Robot was, out doing something. was puppeting him, or it could be that he just fucking had a catatonic break or something. I mean, we we, yeah. we don't know. I mean, I guess, how long do you think this whole hack thing took? Do you think it could be all three days? No, I thought it was like once it went live, it like... Like, yeah, I'm wondering like how long Mr. Robot was in control of Elliot oh, during, yeah. during that period because three days is a long time. It is a long time to be passed out and end up in a car. But I mean, it's like how there's nothing to base speculation on on as of yet. Yeah. Um. So, I, I, I liked how the, he he tells his goons to hold off on showing the guns unless they get heroic, and they immediately wow. do. Like Tyrell's already right. looking at the gun. What? Right. It's it's really funny. There's a lot of, like Irving is cool because he's like one of the only self aware characters on the show. Mm-hmm. You know, like everybody else is grandiose and does all this monologuing, but he's the guy who's like, yeah, I'm gonna go in there and monologue for a bit. <laughs> and then as they're walking in, he asks the Dark Army goons, "How's that Pontiac treating you?" Because yeah. he's still, you know, he, he he takes pride in his his salesmanship ability. He's I'm I'm really loving his character three episodes in. No, he's great, and he just gets better throughout this episode. Yeah. Once we find out, peel back a couple more layers on him. Uh huh. He's a very um, it's a different type, but he's he's very spiritually similar to Gus Fring mm-hmm. in the fact that he. 
you don't really feel like you ever glimpse his true identity. His identity yeah. is something that shifts and molds to change and, and as it needs to influence and impact the people that he works with. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, that's, that's, a, that's, that's, a, that's a cool character. And we kind of see the formulation of stage two here, you know, between the first scene and, and this one. We, we understand that they were not th- – this was not part of the original plan, right? Tyrell kind of acknowledged that they needed a stage two, and Mr. Robot was like, oh, yeah, no, you're right about that. Um, it makes me wonder, like, how much of this is planned out because we talked, you know, about the gun jamming. Um, is that intentional? Because you can certainly intentionally underload like a, a bullet. Well, they say uh, it was a squib, which means that yeah. the bullet actually ejected from the casing and got lodged in a barrel. But as someone emailed, and I thought so too, it looks like the bullet that got ejected was the f- cartridge and bullet is, is the whole package. So hmm. that could be a continuity error. It could be unreliable narration. Yeah. Uh, it could be a lot of things. Hmm. I'm wondering how many hands that gun has passed through. Because could it have been tampered with by At the Dark three. Army? Like, that's the thing. The White Rose has her fingers in everything here, right? She yeah. is in ultimate control, and I could definitely see a scenario in which she has planted a gun that won't fire um, in order to keep Tyrell around. But then yeah, this whole test s- of loyalty is just a big charade, but we've seen that with Angela. Like, right. The, there's no real reason, I guess, to go off the deep end speculating on that. So No, but Let's... I mean, I also, like, I don't, like, I said it could be a production error. There's no fucking way it's a production error. No. They know they're, what an empty, too, they know what an empty shell looks like. They know what a bullet looks like. If, yeah. if, a, if a bullet pops out, uh, it's still attached to its, its cartridge, and then later on he says it's a squib, mm-hmm. which means the bullet actually got lodged in a barrel, that means something. Yeah. But... What it means, I don't care, and I don't really want to entertain because, like, you know, you're just guessing. You're just making shit up. Sure. That's what I try to avoid doing. There's already too much to analyze in this goddamn show. Yep. Uh, so then we go to Tyrell being driven to a remote farmhouse um, did kind you, of over the credits scene here. Did you get all the Kubrickian references? Uh, not the first time around, but, like, looking for them? Yeah, definitely. I got... Um, I thought that that was very similar, and then I recognized the 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 carpet in the hotel. Oh, and then yeah. what I got off Reddit was that the hotel that um, Tyrell checks in is called the Fukan Hotel, yeah, which literally means Overlook Hotel. Uh-huh. Pretty pretty slick. Yeah, and if you're not sure about why we're bringing that up right now, it's because the the music at the beginning of this is very similar to like the, the beginning theme of The Shining and the overhead and the, tracking shot of the car, right, the driving shot going up to the hotel in and, The Shining is very reminiscent. Of and this. last season was loaded uh, with references to Lolita, which aside yeah. from the book is also Stanley Kubrick film. So right. there's a there's a lot of Kubrickian influences uh, in Mr. Robot. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's told he's going to stay there for an indeterminate amount of time. Uh, he he will eventually get pretty antsy. But in the meantime, uh, Elliot is arrested and White Rose is informed about it. Uh, he tells his assistant to get their contact inside the prison connected with Elliot and start working the officials for an early release for him. This uh, assistant's really pushing his luck. Like, Mr. Ro- or, uh so for I don't know, obviously Elliot's wasn't in prison for the full eight months. I can't remember how many, how long he was actually in there, but yeah. uh, this guy has been told to 
speak English, and he's still bucking that. Go, he's still bucking against that. Go. Wait, but this is a flashback. I think this is the first time he's told that. I know. I'm just saying that he's giving him lip on oh, so, everything, and yeah. also talking about Elliot being crazy. Like, how many times is White Rose going to tell this guy to shut the fuck up? I have my plan before he gets pushed into a particle accelerator or something. <laughs> that would just ruin your particle accelerator. <laughs> Very expensive push. Yeah, well, you know, uh, White Rose sometimes says, fuck it. <laughs> That's true. I'm, I'm going I'm to fuck you on Congo even if I get my way. I'm going to push you in a particle accelerator even if it puts my plans behind. Because what is time the White Rose? She can manipulate yeah. time. She strides Maybe. it like a god. Or at least at least a fabric between universes. <laughs> yep. Yep. Flipping that like pancakes. Uh, so l- let me ask you about this English thing. Keeps harping on this. This can't just be a joke, right? It's the least funny joke I've ever heard. So, What do you mean joke? I don't understand. I mean, is this going to come back in some way that's even semi-important in the future? Or is this thing about learning English just going to be like a, a I know, thing? I think, no, I, I was joking about the particle accelerator, but I think this assistant is going to be is going to get his, 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 his dome split before the end of the season. So that's they're prepping it by saying, hey, you're not learning English. You deserve to die. Well, I mean, it's like it's a good buildup of this guy just not being on board with what 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 Zhang White Rose is trying to do, and now you think maybe Angela's being groomed to take yeah, his place. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Does she speak Chinese though? I bet. I seriously doubt. Look, it. this this she she I you give me a montage of her brushing her teeth with headsets, practicing Chinese. I will believe that she can speak Mandarin in six weeks. Yeah. You know, the real cruel irony here, or I guess the cruelty here, is if this guy doesn't learn to speak English and White Rose kills him for it, or or just generally being an idiot oh, or that's insubordinate gr- th- or whatever. That would also be a good explanation for why Angela doesn't need to learn Chinese. What's what's that? I mean, he, he, this guy is insisting that his assistant speaks to him in English even when there's no logical reason for it because, yeah. you know, like, so why would he have Angela learn Chinese? I don't know. I mean, I mean, obviously, that would be that would that would help him a lot in his role as security minister for the yeah. for China. But I assume so. I mean, that also could be another kind of like you know a little hunt for Rod Octobering to where they don't they're they're not going to have to have Angela learn Mandarin. But but White Rose could just use her interdimensional time machine. Oh, yeah. and go and live in a universe where this guy does speak English, where this guy does get the point of the plan. Like, but she does kind of cruel if you're going to kill the guy for uh, yeah, being but, the one dimension where he doesn't get it. Uh, she also, but there's this kind of like line about faith and things. So like, I, I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, we're again, we're kind of being, we're, we're kind of being guilty of the thing that we say we don't like, which is just kind of idly speculating about different things. But I, I do think they're making a point of this friction between the assistant and the fact that, you know, Angela clearly being groomed and recruited to make room for her to move up in the organization. Like, season one, she was a pawn. Season two, she is Philip's protege. Season three is where Zhang steals her and makes her his slash her own. Yeah, I mean, it's already happened. Yeah. It's just how far up in the ranks is she going to move. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's go to the next scene. Um, oh, before we do... Uh, next part w- of the scene, I guess. W- Oh, where the Alex Jones guy comes in? Yeah, okay, yeah. So well, this then, guy yeah, from TV is is let in, and Frank? he's told... Is this, that his name? Frank? I call him the Alex Jones guy, even though he wasn't very Alex Jonesy last last. Yeah, last he's episode. The, the political guy you've seen screaming on the TVs in the background. Right. Um, and even in the foreground sometimes. Um, so he's let in, and he's told that 
the White Rose wants a few things. He he needs to portray Tyrell in a positive light on his show. He needs to put F Society's origins somewhere on Iranian soil, and he might also possibly have to back Trump for president on his show. Uh, I I don't know. I I can't tell if it's something about this scene that I didn't like or it just felt wrong and gross to me. Hmm. Um, but I felt myself recoiling from this part of the scene. Okay, because like I surprised to hear that, but it's not an uncommon sentiment that I've read. So let's let's talk about it. This is the perfect opportunity. What bothered you about it? Uh, the cavalier nature in which this guy, um, you know, is able to frame or or comes up with ideas to frame things in order to sell what he's trying to sell. Who are you talking about? The TV guy. Oh, Jones. Okay, the Alex Jones guy. Yeah, I, I. He's he's just very like matter of fact about about misinformation and like all of this shit just irks me. It's oh yeah, but really I, I do disgusting. think that like if you look at like the behind the scenes stuff with like the, yeah, I'm not saying it doesn't happen every single okay, fucking day. Okay. I'm just saying. All right, yeah. Oh. I mean, yeah, it's disgusting. It's it's <laughs> it's super disgusting. Because I thought you were going to say it like bothers you that. They're using this, like, real-life Trump stuff, like, retroactively, and I saw some people no, complain I'm... about that, because I'm like, first of all, if you think Sam Esmail's not writing from a far-left perspective, I, you know, like, I think he <laughs> himself is sympathetic to his views. The, you've missed the point of stage one, Yeah, and, El- and Elliot is just an anarcho-Marxist, like, he's just fucking way extreme left, and this show is a show that took a lot of pot shots at Obama. Like, you know, Philip Price referred to him as a puppet in one of the seasons. Uh, they laid mm-hmm. all of that, like, NSA surveillance and drone strikes at his feet, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I thought it was weird for people to be like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like how they're portraying P- Trump here. I'm like, I, I don't know what show you've been watching, but it would have been weird for them not to have said, like, for, for the in-universe to not comment on Trump's, rise to power and you know the irony like, i mean shit the fact that he's a, a puppet of a foreign power is something that exists in the in the real world that idea yeah, yeah like i'm not saying if it's true of like the, the, right, the right. jury is still out like uh literally but but you know that idea is out there so you know this very left left wing uh fictional universe toying with that i don't see how anybody can be bothered by it but yeah people are some some people will be certainly uh, no, I was just bothered by the ick factor of the whole thing. No, yeah, no, it's super gross <laughs> and uncomfortably real because yeah. yeah, corporations and governments pretty much buy and sell us in mass all the time. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with like Harry Potter waving his wand and a, a gorgon coming out of the ground. Right. You know, that's not a problem because it's not that close to reality. Finally started Harry Potter. I'm glad. Glad. <laughs> yeah, the gorgons. We'll, we'll, sure. we'll have some. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> have some more common interest. No, but when it's this close to reality, when yeah, I know that this I, shit happens, I'm like, oh, I don't want to see it. I get you. Uh, so four days in, Tyrell is interrogated by Wallace Shawn. Uh, he fails the loyalty test, but he says he's loyal to Elliot, so they let him in on stage two. Yeah. I mean, Wallace Shawn, uh, he is, uh, what was the guy's he's name? He's iconic. Prince, is he the, the Princess Bride guy? Is it Fez? No, Fezzik was the... Uh, man, I've seen it once. I don't know. It's Vizzini, right? Uh, uh, he was, he's the T-Rex in Toy Story. He's the Grand Negus on Deep Space Nine. He's had a long story career of playing this guy. Yeah. Uh, 
also, you know, you I've mentioned a lot in like Lunch with Jim and Aaron. People ask me like, what is my favorite childhood cartoon or some un unsung? And I've I've mentioned Mask, the Mobile Armored Strike Command. Mm-hmm. I got such a tickle oh. out of the Dark Army guys sitting in their masks watching the cartoon nice. Mask. You know, I didn't like, recognize it because I never watched no, it. No, no, but I did. It's like, that's the fucking me. That's like, opt- it'd be like if you saw Optimus Prime, you'd sure. recognize that's yeah. uh, Matt Tracker. He's the leader of the mask. And nice. I'm wondering, like, does does the Dark Army, do they root for uh, Venom, which is the bad guys mm-hmm. in that show, or they root Probably. for Mask? Probably the bad guys. A lot of times you get people, uh, you know, people don't realize they're the baddies. I feel like... Are we the baddies, Hans? I don't know. That's a good question. We're sitting here in these devil masks. I mean, <laughs> you know who else we're is gunning down people in cold blood. Maybe we're the bad guys. <laughs> uh, Wallace Shawn seems to be wearing a mask. He's the F Society guy. In this scene. Yeah. So apparently. The, 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 the massacre of the bourgeoisie. Yeah. The careful massacre. Careful massacre. Of the bourgeoisie. Uh, yeah. So apparently he's not supposed to look like the mask guy necessarily. Bullshit. In an interview I read with one of the producers, I think. Well, they said that he was modeled to look like one of Donald Trump's lawyers. You done fucked up because yeah, side it looks by exactly side, same, mustache area. Yeah. And in fact, I'm calling bullshit. I think this is a smokescreen to I don't know. Try to <laughs> for what? I can't imagine what it would be, and I'm not going to speculate. But they're like, yeah. you fucked up. Mm-hmm. If you meant that to look like a Donald Trump lawyer, and yet the imagery <laughs> of this dude in the mask is like the Monopoly guy mask. No, no, I don't believe that. Yeah. You can't cast Wallace Shawn if he looks exactly like the mask. No, you can't. You can't. Uh, <laughs> he's snorting coke. Yeah, so let's talk about the interrogation itself. Um, I would think the guy snorting coke would crack first under that steam whistle. <laughs> Well, he's he's he spent a lifetime uh, building, learning, building up, up yeah, an yeah. immunity to cocaine, of course. Which that just kind of happens. For what purpose? I don't know. <laughs> so you can party hard when 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 the going gets rough. Yeah. Um, and this um, interrogation sequence was apparently modeled after the one in The Master, where oh, Joaquin Phoenix is interrogated by. Yeah, yeah, L. yeah. Ron I can Hubbard. see that. I was thinking because I just seen Blade Runner. Like this is very similar to the the post traumatic baseline test that they administer to yeah, very uh, K in that movie, um, or the Voight Vandergraaf te- or whatever from the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was interesting, and it's also a lot of people were par- uh, pointing out parallels on the internet about um, this scene with uh, Angela's last scene that you know we know enough about tyrell to know he grew up in a rustic environment um angela was summoned to the suburban home that reminded her of her um for uh, there's some people commenting on the maybe that we're supposed to understand that wallace sean bears a resemblance to his father whereas Mm. uh, angela was interrogated by uh, a younger stand-in of her perhaps real life past angela yeah uh i don't know what why these similarities and what the hell they were trying to get out of this guy mm-hmm. like i don't i don't know like what what if- i mean it's it seems to be a loyalty test is the only thing i could describe it as but um, how does this how does this just I mean, because essentially it, it, he lied about everything and slowly yeah. under cocaine fueled questioning told the truth about everything and then he goes, are you loyal to me? And I took that as like, this guy looks so much like F Society. It's like, are you loyal to the <laughs> F Society ethos? He goes, no, uh-huh. but I am. And the guy's like, nope, nope, shut it up, guys. Yeah. Close up shop. And he goes, but I am loyal to Elliot. Yeah, and I guess the, the second command there realizes, hey, we can use that. Um, we we can keep this leash on Tyrell by keeping a leash on Elliot. Uh, yeah. I, I've, 
I, hmm. it's risky business, but they're that's their business. Mm-hmm. You know, they're in the business of risk. Um, the other question I had in this scene is okay. So the op is called Red Wheelbarrow mm-hmm. at Elliot's request. What does the real place Red Wheelbarrow, the the chain, uh-huh. have to do with this? I don't know. Because we talked about but maybe this is a dark important. army front with the generator. It totally is a dark like, army front. They explicitly said that in the first episode. Did they? Yeah. Hmm. I, I missed that, I and guess. That, also, that's how, right. like, that was one of the that. forms that, was, that they were using to communicate with Mr. Robot in season two, the Red okay. Wheelbarrow menu. And... Seems a mistake to me, then, to use the name of essentially your front business as the operation. Because you get a phone tap on somebody who's uh, involved in this, and they're saying Red Wheelbarrow, Red Wheelbarrow. Mm-hmm. You go over the Red Wheelbarrow, and you stake it out, and you see the shit that's going on there, right? What if it's a global ch- – what if it's a nationwide chain? Then you're like you're – gun- yeah. you're gunking up the NSAs with talking about Red Wheelbarrow, people ordering barbecue, and – that's true. I mean, that's like yeah. it'd be like if you had Operation Papa John's. Every time you hear Papa John's <laughs> on the phone, like you're going to flag that uh-huh. for. Uh, I'm just saying it gives them a lead. Like, why not make it entirely random? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, keep the Operation Red Wheelbarrow, but maybe not name the the right. barbecue joints Red Wheelbarrow. And how is it an? It's an entire nationwide front. I mean, I don't business. That's that's, tough that's to... spec. But I didn't. I didn't. I, it did not look like. Uh, it was not a, a mom and pop. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just assumed it was a chain. Yeah. For sure. Um, that, that was that really touched uh we, that really touched Tyrell cuz he's got a special connection to that uh Red Wheelbarrow uh poem. And also mm-hmm. it's kind yep. of like it's important to Tyrell. Tyrell must be important to Elliot on some level. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's weird and I feel like that the the thing that that Tyrell's wrestling with is when he realizes that Elliot's two different people, like, I don't think he's in love with Mr. Robot because Mr. Robot's very dismissive and, uh, you know, calls him crazy to his face and is kind of a dick. Mm-hmm. I don't, and, and how can he be in love with Elliot? Because Elliot is certainly not in love with him. And there's like this, like, cognitive dissonance that he's like, the, the person whose plan and ethos he's attracted to is Mr. Robot. But he's attracted to the the warmth and vulnerability of Elliot. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there are definitely two sides to Elliot, two different people, um, which Tyrell finds out at the end of this episode. It it makes me wonder if that's going to change his mind any. You know, if it's going to make him reconsider who have I been loyal to? Um, when will I be loyal and when will I not? Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, next scene is Tyrell giving a he's given a phone and a computer to work on after passing the loyalty test, which he uses to make a call to the prison where Elliot's being held, which we see this time from Tyrell's point of view. Uh, he smashes the phone afterward because Elliot's acting weird, and Irving notices, and he takes him out to recenter him by chopping wood. And apparently that does a trick, and Tyrell is looking in on his baby while he's working on stage two plan. Yeah. Um... I thought it's interesting that they juxtapose him watching his child on a baby monitor through some remote site with him watching the UPSs kind of their batteries burbling because they're like they're both his children. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Did you? He is, so, he is the brain yeah. father of this plan. You can actually go to that site and it's a real, but it's not a real baby monitor. It's a I fake did. baby monitor site that just shows static right now. And I yeah. think. Apparently, there's hidden. There are hidden messages in there. Oh fuck! Really? Yeah. When did that come out? Um, so in the static, apparently there are some uh, numbers or something are. which yeah. spell out 
in hexadecimal they spell out here i think which is um the fourth word in the series i need i need to look this up wow okay because like i i after yesterday when i did the majority of my research there wasn't any real movement on that and i wondered if they were kind of it was an off week for the arg or yeah, so all the, the hidden words that people have found so far have added up to We're All Mad Here, uh, which is a oh, reference yeah. to Lewis Carroll's sure, Alice sure. in Wonderland. Um, I, I don't know that there's any real importance there, but it's, I don't I know. I think it's, it's literally fun. true. Every main character yeah. in the show has is, is got a, a screw with Reloose. Yeah, and in an episode where Tyrell is about to lose his freaking mind watching this baby monitor, um, yeah, I would say it's it's pretty good. Cool, cool. Um, apparently Tyrell hated chopping wood, but he gets into the swing of things now. Real good at it. Yep. Um, then we go to Darlene giving Cisco the femtocell, and he fantasizes about getting out of the hacking game. Darlene suggests they'll talk about it after all of this is over, which we know will never happen. Yeah. Uh, Cisco gives the femtocell to Irving. I I find the most interesting thing here to be that Darlene is protected by the dark army and Cisco is not, which I think sheds new light on that shooting scene when they're in the restaurant Yeah, and they come up and Cisco is killed. Um, Cisco is shot, but Darlene is not. I wonder why they bothered to kill Cisco. Cause Cisco knew too much about the dark army. Whereas Darlene was kind of in the dark about the dark army a lot. Cause Cisco is her so. main contact into that world. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a, a fine question. <laughs> Uh, which I don't remember enough about that scene to tell you, but um, it, it does tell us at least that it was intentional, right? Everybody speculated about, like, why wasn't Darlene killed or how could they miss from that close? Like, they weren't trying to kill Darlene. Right. She was protected. She's but protected. It, it also makes me wonder, is Darlene actually protected or is this another story that he's telling Cisco to keep him on the train, you know? Because this is a guy who's willing to tell you whatever you, he needs to tell you in order to get you on board with the plan. Yeah, I, the whole time I was watching the scene, I'm like, why are we getting this Cisco backstory that no one can ever know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's never going to get back to Darlene that he's falling in love with her. She's already surmised that. So, I mean, I guess it's just to literally show the chain of custody of the femtocell. Yeah. Uh, to show that Irving was kind of a character behind the scenes the whole time. Right. But that's where things start to feel a little too retconny for me. Hmm. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it, it certainly shed some light on some interesting things from previous seasons. Well, and also, it's, I guess maybe it shows that Cisco could have been alive if he had played things a little cooler with Dar- Darlene. Yeah. Yeah, if he had backed off. Because she was protected, and if he did his job, mm-hmm. like, right to Dark Army spec. Well, of course, I don't know. Dark Army's... It's one of those places where as soon as they get done using you, they kill you anyway. So yeah, could have lived longer. Yeah, and even Elliot is not immune could've, to that, right? Could have like, worked the fry basket at uh, the red wheelbarrow, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> he should have got out of the game when he suggested it. Although yeah. I don't think that helps. That's him. the thing. I think like, it's no like one, the mob. You no know? one will we know about the Dark Army. It just seems like they're they're just untouchable. Yeah. So Irving They're takes... also Indiana's largest indoor paintball arena. <laughs> they sure Every are. fucking time someone says Dark Army, that, that fucking radio ad from the <laughs> 90s. Because if you don't know, we're from Indianapolis, and that's the Indiana's largest indoor paintball, yeah. paintball arena. It sure Dark is. Army. <laughs> uh, so we, we follow the Femtocell from Irving to Tyrell. 
um, where he's getting the hack in order. He notices that there is Android malware in addition to the the other code that's supposed to be there, but Irving remains silent on why it's there. Mm. Uh, we kind does of already Irving, knew this. Does Irving, yeah, this is Elliot's contribution to it, right? Uh, well, this is what they're using to hack the FBI, right? They, yeah, yeah, yeah. To get on the phones of the FBI, I think. Which Ty, you know, Ty, Tyrell's all focused on stage the actual two, yeah. stage two, where Elliot's all trying to do damage control at the FBI. Yeah, and they're not communicating. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. There's okay. also a lot of weird. Some people pointed out there's some scenes in here suggestive that there is a. A third personality of Elliot that is not privy to the information that Elliot and Mr. Robot themselves have. Why or say... is privy that stuff that I don't know, when we get to the scene we'll talk about it. Okay. Because it's 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 something I was reading this morning. Uh and I mean there people go crazy. Like there was one guy that asserted there's there's four personalities that Elliot has with and including the host personality, which is like the default Elliot, like, like Elliot as a child kind <laughs> okay. of thing. And like some of that gets too crazy, but mm-hmm. I don't know. There's also like some people suggesting some of this stuff means that Elliot's already done time travel or he's dimensional shifting. Yeah, I was gonna say in a world where potentially interdimensional yeah. travel exists. So like, that's the thing like, that I'm, I'm content Elliot's. to let some of these hints remain hints until they, they make it explicit. Yeah. Uh, standing in a doorway that you're too tall for seems really annoying. <laughs> Irving was practically scraping his hair on the door jam. Yeah. I, I couldn't do it. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Tyrell continues working on the plan and chopping wood while he's reading the tabloids about Joanna having a man on the side. It's obviously getting to him. Uh, Irving tells a clearly unstable Tyrell not to believe everything he reads. And he... <laughs> Tyrell quotes Deuteronomy twenty three one at him, uh-huh. which I thought was pretty hysterical. What what's the what's the crushing and not entering the board all about? It's about like if you're emasculated, if your if your balls are cut can't off, can't be in you, a position you, of power. You, well, you can't enter. To, he's he called himself a god, mm-hmm. and if you're emasculated, you can't get into heaven. You can't be a god if you're not in heaven. I think that's what he's he's trying to say. Hmm. Okay. Uh, also, apparently, Tyrell can quote Bible verses from memory. Yeah. That's something I didn't know about him. Bible verses and and that's a pretty obscure rhymes. one too. Yeah, I, I know the one about. Um, a, no, I don't know it. <laughs> it's been too long. John three sixteen. No, come John three sixteen. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. So Tyrell's fed up with all this shit, and he decides to hike off into the woods. When he gets to the very first road, he's spotted immediately by a cop and arrested. And the cop calls into the FBI, and they arrange to to meet him to pick up Tyrell. Uh, so Tyrell thinks he's in trouble here, so he breaks his thumb to escape the handcuffs. Uh, turns out he didn't really need to do that because Bo- Dom's boss shows up and kills the cop, revealing that he's been working for the Dark Army the whole time. Uh, and there's like a weird like commercial break somewhere in here. I don't know. He mm-hmm. he also complains to Irving that his job is hard, but Irving doesn't really give a shit about it. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, how'd you feel about the the big reveal here with Dom's boss being? Well, I mean, we spec that was payroll. pretty common speculation. It was. Um, yeah, it was all over the place. Yeah, and in fact, they even he he addresses it in universe in universe when he survives the China. He's like, yeah, I know it doesn't look good. That um. So I I guess it the the uh, I don't know. Here's the where it starts to get taught, Dabby. Um, because 
I mean, y'all hand wave it that dark dark army is just the just just so powerful they can do this. But like, right, one senior FBI agent who, yes, all FBI alerts come through him, but it's kind of like this guy coming in and like, let's say Osama bin Laden's on the run. I'm actually going to use this analogy throughout the podcast because I think it answers a lot of questions or is useful for illuminating the problems with scenes. So a local cop sees Osama bin Laden hoofing it across country in the United States. Like, holy shit, I can't believe it. Osama bin Laden arrests Osama bin Laden, puts him in the back of his car, calls it into the FBI. Mm -hmm. Okay, maybe there's one FBI or CIA guy tasks with like leading the Osama bin Laden task force. Mm -hmm. But surely the chatter that holy shit. We found Osama bin Laden would be so great that you can't just murder a police officer and get and, and get away with it. Like that question yeah. will remain like, you know, but I you, mean, you, I guess you bury it. You bury it if you're the director of the FBI. Yeah, but this guy has buddies. And like he didn't call any of his buddies to say that he got like, you know, that, that, Not I'm, that we I'm just saw. saying that like, yeah. yeah, I mean, I do believe it's just within the realm of possibility that with the help of the Dark <laughs> Army that he could like bury all this. But boy, howdy, it does. It, 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 pro, it, it It's like, a, you know, eight going on the nine top dab because I just, yeah, just for doesn't sure. seem like it would work that way but on the other hand you have a complete mastery of the world's communications and internet systems then maybe <laughs> yeah and maybe when he called it in like would he call it in locally first or would he call it right to the fbi no he called it right to the fbi um that Is was that the standard instructions. operating procedure no so the the way it's described i think in this scene he says oh you're lucky that i told all of the the calls to come directly to the fbi instead of to the locals or whatever what if he called his local guy yeah um and did they and, call like his cell phone at the fbi or they called the front desk of the fbi right G and, gotta be some intermediary there yeah I, I felt like there's you know multiple ears heard that and how are they going to bury it i don't know but they do yeah. they do like you either like you know you either gotta stop watching the show or swallow it and keep going on right and i guess the the interesting result of this is that we now have more information than one of our main characters, right? Which mm -hmm. I know happens with Elliot from time to time, but I think it's important here because this is the first time we've had more information. But we know um, more than Dom, for sure. I mean, sp we kind of know more than Dom always because we know who did F Society hack yeah, and all yeah, that yeah, crap. Yeah, but, yeah, like, yeah. this is this is a really relevant thing in her daily life Yeah, um, that is going to come up again. Yeah. You know, and we're like, going to see know, interactions between them and go, oh, no. Yeah, and she's already been frustrated last year how it seems like he's obstructionist. He blames it on the higher-ups, yeah. but it's all his fault. It is. And also, like, the other thing that, that like, like it's a tot-dab inside of a tot-dab, that mm -hmm. he would have the temerity to fucking give guff to the Dark Army. Mm -hmm. Like, dude... They just helped suppress the fact that the the like Osama bin Laden got captured and killed the cop that captured him, and you are complicit all the hell, and you're giving them guff about this shit. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, what are, what are you what are you trying to do here? I've seen this movie. Like, I feel like he's gonna he's gonna be the one in the body bag next. What what defense mechani mechanism is there against the dark army? Then, you know, Elliot. <laughs> Someone who's better at the game than they are. I mean, yeah, I think but, that's... But that doesn't solve any of the problems that we're talking about. You know, then you just have a worse version of the Dark Army. Well, but if Elliot's fighting for good, I guess. Mm, okay, using the means of evil to fight 
for good. Well, I mean, hacking, I don't think hacking is evil. No, certainly it's... not. But killing people is probably evil. Sure. They could just murder Elliot. Oh, yeah, any, yeah. How time. would he defend that? Like, you know, yeah. could, like if, if Elliot tried, could he stay off the grid and still use the Internet and do all that? Could he be like a right. a Neo or Morpheus character in this show's Matrix? I, I feel like maybe that, they're making him a the hacking thing. superhero. That's the thing. Like hacking is Elliot's superpower. So it's like, mm-hmm. can fucking Superman stop Darkseid? Of course <laughs> he can. Uh-huh. Can Batman stop the Joker? You know what? Of course he can. You know can. what the comic book is called? It's not Dark Side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This isn't called White Rose. Uh-huh. If it was, I'd be worried. <laughs> it's called Mister Robot. Now, so so like, the, the, but the, I guess the the real tension is like, what version of Elliot wins? And does, yeah. does Elliot? I mean, we talked about this in in past seasons. Like, the real tension is not if Elliot wins or loses, succeeds or fails, the world is saved or lost, but does Elliot what what kind of shape does Elliot uh uh walk away from this experience? Is he alive? Is he dead? Is he happy? Is he insane? Is he in a padded room? I mean, those are kind of the stakes that we're facing, but you kind of got to just roll with the idea that this is his I mean, it roll I roll my eyes every single time he just effortlessly be- bests world-class security, but mm-hmm. It's like, you know, after you roll your eyes at the 10th steel bar that Superman bent, you're kind of the <laughs> asshole. So right. that's what I've realized. Yeah. Uh, and I forgot to mention the the great soundtrack all throughout this episode, oh, but, but it, in this scene... Cypress Hill. Cypress Hill. I actually think it's, uh, I ain't going out like that. This is kind of uh, Tyrell's like, fuck this, I'm out. Uh, anthem. The and it other works one well. that they played ninety five times a night at the local skating rink. Yeah, <laughs> and 90s. also and also at Dark Army, Indiana's <laughs> oh, largest sure. indoor. It's it's essentially yeah. Cypress Hill and Offspring the- <laughs> on repeat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to uh, Irving telling Tyrell that they're very similar and that they're married to their jobs, and then he goes on to tell him a story about his job getting in the way of his marriage and his wife taking his boys from him. He said he did some self-reflection, and he was able to prove to her eventually that he was awesome again and that the same thing can happen for Tyrell. Uh, Tyrell says that he and Elliot need to be reunited for the plan to move forward. And then back at his car dealership, Irving instructs his employee on how to construct his image to sell more cars. And then he says he's going home for the night. Uh, I'm having a hard time knowing where to break in this scene because everything is so relevant to the stuff that came before. Because the, the the way that, you know, he conducts himself at the car dealership is super relevant to the story that he tells Tyrell, which we realize is entirely fake. Yeah, I wonder if that would have been more effective a little later. Because it's, like, really, like, literally right after that scene comes this scene where he's essentially, you find out that everything he said to Tyrell is a lie to manipulate him. Yeah. To sell him on the, the idea of what he's trying to sell him on. And I wonder if that would have been more effective had it come... You know, put a commercial break between it, or put 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 a put a little bit of uh, showtime. I'm not saying wait for another episode, but yeah. Um, but yeah, then again, maybe not because it looks like it's pretty much, you know, everything kind of flows from that. I mean, we're getting to the end of the episode, so maybe they couldn't. Well, I was thinking, would it be interesting to kind of juxtapose that scene with the scene where Tyrell finds out that Elliot has two personalities, so he's wondering if he can trust him at all. Ah. Interesting. Uh, I don't know, but that's not what they chose to do, and I don't work on the show. So, um, at home, Irving watches Big Brother alone and works on his novel, which I thought was interesting. Uh, there's also an Ecoin commercial in there at some point. Um, I don't know. I watched it on the USA app on my Roku. Uh huh. 
So I don't know if everybody got the eCoin commercial, but they're they're pushing people to e-coin.com huh. for like a there's sort of a perks reward thing there where they're giving out like Amazon Echoes um or Echo Dots whatever. Um they're giving out like power banks and stuff. It seems like people are actually getting these items. So I don't know, I suggest going to e-coin.com and signing up. I yeah. did. <laughs> <laughs> did you um I so it's interesting this book he's writing looks like um a, a kind of um, oh shit. Uh, I've blanked on the guy who who wrote the Raylan Givens character, uh, Elmer Leonard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because because previously in the episode he's listening to an audiobook, Gore Vidal's uh, uh, "Death Likes It Hot," which is kind of what what I gather is a, a, a mystery thriller about um, like a professional PR guy that goes. It, it's it, like I said, it's very out of sight or like that kind of uh, fish out of water. We like like a detective noir, but it's not a noir character. Like Get Shorty is about a Shylock, and um, so what is the deal with him writing uh, a crime thriller from the eyes of an everyday schlub? Does he see himself as an everyday schlub, or did you did you actually pause and read the page? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't think he sees himself that way. I think what he's trying to do is write from a perspective that he views as interesting which wouldn't be his perspective i guess because a lot of people don't view their own perspective as particularly interesting right well i mean they live with it every day it's like this isn't interesting or or super normal a lot of authors put a lot of their shared experiences in there they just punch it up you know for sure yeah but But it's weird because like almost like this is like he doesn't strike me as like a good author he strikes me as an amateur okay. who, who is trying to write the most interesting thing he can. Right. I and like so how he's not doing it from his own Yeah, view, I like how viewpoint. self-satisfied he was at some of these turns of phrases he but comes damn, up with them. But damn, Meaty Damn Hands is pretty good. Meaty Damn Hands, yeah. Like, I need a shirt that says Meaty Damn Hands hey, on let's, it. Hey, let's keep it to subtext, okay? <laughs> I don't want to be thinking about your Meaty Damn Hands. I'm not having butt sex with you, sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he's watching Big Brother, which, I don't know, I thought it was pretty funny. He... He talks about that in the story. Um, he's going to go yeah, you know, shit's home and watch like onions, man. Big Brother with his kids, which mm-hmm. he does go home and watch Big Brother, but not with his kids. Well, maybe his kids, like, going with kids. the... Yeah, but going with the uh, equation that uh, Tyrell's uh, stage two is as much of his child as his real child, I wonder if his children are these, like, you know, he sees this book as, like, his child. Okay, Sure. From a certain point of view, he owes yeah. Obi Wan and Kenobi and the shit, <laughs> the shit out of uh, out of uh, poor Tyrell. Uh, we do see that he has a lot of mugs with different messages on them. So, you know, if you thought that the the story about his kids and being the number one dad was his only trick, what were the other? Did you look at the what the mugs stuff said? about God? There was stuff about ah. um, uh, like exercise. There was a lot of things up there. Hmm. So he he clearly does this all the time. God, that must be a, a that must be complicated to try to keep what story straight with what person, what client. Oh he, yeah, especially you got if they the, repeat. Yeah, you if got you see them more than once. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking you you got the mug out about you know God not letting people that have no balls into the kingdom of heaven out for the reverend, and then mm-hmm. you know you've got like a down the devil mug that you got for the the ACDC fan, and then you yeah. forget that the pastor like it's it's yeah it's a lot to keep <laughs> it's a lot to keep track of. 
Sure is. Because he's a used car salesman, so like, how many repeat customers does he get? Not a lot. Although, I don't know. His cars are very reliable. That's right. Apparently. Or he just sells the reliable ones to the Dark so, Army. Yeah, that seems like buddies. that would be in his best interest. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want the Dark Army motorcycles breaking down. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I feel like a used car salesman does know the reliable good cars to sell to people. It's oh, just sure. that like, they're not honest, so they're going mm-hmm. to push, like, oh, here comes a Rube. I'm going to push off this piece of shit. Yeah. Got to move inventory. You got, you got to. You got to. Have to. All right, so Irving meets with Leon to ask how the plan to get Elliot out is going. He says, Elliot's being released. It, it worked, um, which we already knew. Irving tells Tyrell, who packs his shit and is taken to the building where stage two will be carried out, and he absolutely loves it. Uh, Irving gives his gun back, and then Tyrell's taken to Fukan Hotel, where he's told to stay until further contact. He shaves, he puts on his suit, and he meets Elliot in the cab. Wants to look his best for him. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of subtextual stuff going on here. Also, <laughs> going back to Leon, uh-huh. wound tighter than a chinchilla's asshole. That's I imagine it's pretty tight. They're like skittish creatures, and they're small. Yeah, sure, but damn, that is an interesting that's an interesting visual metaphor. Yeah, I don't I don't like how many chinchillas has he seen in New York City? <laughs> the, how many chinchillas buttholes has he seen? I wouldn't ask him that. Yeah. I saw him. You can't spell chinchilla's asshole without... Sam Esmail. <laughs> <laughs> Bravo, Sam. Uh, yeah, so we talked about the Fukan Hotel thing. Um, There's what's also... with, like, the James Bond score in this scene? Well, I mean, it does it, it does feel international man of mystery, and, like, you know, with his, his fixation on the, the good-looking suit. Um, There's also, yeah, like, in the background... Yeah, but just a momentary, weird... not thematic... Weird pictures of people with, like, their faces painted over with, like, red, like, almost slash stripes. I don't know what's hmm. going on with all that, but... I didn't see that. Um, yeah, I don't... I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Uh, but, yeah. And this he, is a scene where we talk about the squib load that was in the gun. Yep. Um, kind of already mentioned that. Then we... Fast forward to Elliot being operated on after the gunshot. Can we? So does this once and for all dismiss the idea that Elliot could be a literal robot? I mean, we oh we've, we've seen his guts. Yeah, see his guts. I mean, I guess well, we if don't you see his go... face with the guts. Maybe it's a different body they're operating on. <laughs> and I guess you could also go with the idea that like he's a replicant, like is an organic robot. Mm-hmm. Like I sure. Can, yeah. Okay. Sure. We haven't completely ruled it out, but no, I feel like I think it, we've ruled it. We out. saw a brain scan last year. There wasn't any hardware in there. They opened up his guts. It's not like, come on. Yep. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm comfortable saying he is not an, a literal robot. Okay. Uh, that but we, just means it's 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 a sure thing to happen next season. Probably, yeah. I think I said that about the FBI agent not being dirty. So. Did you really? Probably somewhere. Oh, okay. um, I but should yeah, keep track of this stuff so I could count coup. He's being operated on. Um, Tyrell's super worried about him. Angela tells him, look, calm down. I will talk to him. You probably shouldn't. Tyrell doesn't understand why Elliot seemed like a different person, so Angela explains it to him, which seems to change his perspective. And uh, that's that's the big game changer this episode to me, is what is Tyrell going to think about Elliot slash Mr. Robot now? Is he still going to be in love with Elliot the same way that he was before? Will he still be loyal to him? Well, it's weird because again, like you got to ask yourself what what is he in love with? Because yeah. their first meeting, where Elliot was accompanying uh, Gideon on their 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 sales call, and 
Well, no, he was he was coming in to be briefed by Gideon, and he walked past him, and he talks about KDE versus Gnome and all that stuff. And yep. uh, like that was the first time they met, right? Mm-hmm. And that was Elliot being Elliot. So your idea, and he be specifically mentioned that the first time I met you, I felt this connection, implies that maybe he's in love with Elliot, not Mister Robot. Uh which is going to be weird because, like, Elliot's certainly not in love with Tyrell Wellick. Is it possible that that wasn't the first time they met? Oh, is it possible enough. that Mr. Robot had met Tyrell to further the plan at some point before that? <laughs> it's a damn weird meeting. Like, why? So, from his yeah. perspective, why, if he had already met Elliot before, if he had ever met Mr. Robot, which in, in his world means he met Elliot, why would he have the interaction about their desktop of choice? Like it seemed like a, a like a first meeting. Hmm. Like it's it's okay. so bizarre. Imagine if you'd met me before and you come up and you're just like, oh, well, I guess that's I don't know. a conversation. I mean, that seems yeah, just like a instead of how's the weather. I you thought, know. You see, that's the thing. Like, if I went back and watched the show every single time, I thought maybe I should go back and rewatch that scene. <laughs> right? I, there's just there's just not enough prep time in the 48 hours that we have to do it to do to to, to do all that. Less than 48 hours. So yeah. Cause yeah, I felt I feel like there's like five to ten scenes that I should have gone back and and rewatched to have at the the the, the kind of get those details out. A lot of it doesn't come up until we're actually recording. So yeah, that's the other thing. Yeah. It's like people like you know like how don't you know? Well, it's like well yeah, like I didn't know that I'd need to know that until Jim <laughs> asked the question or right. That's the whole like you know we don't script this shit out. This is just us fucking talking about the episode off of an outline Jim created. So. And this is just me. We're doing rampant speculation too. There's nothing to support I, my claim. I, you know what? That he met Mr. Robot. I just deleted your feedback. Let's move on. <laughs> you deleted your own feedback. <laughs> uh, that's it, man. I really like the music at the end of this uh, episode. The the in credits music was really good. I thought. Oh, I didn't notice it hmm. so much. Okay. Um, that's it. That's the episode. There you go. Tyrell glowering at Elliot slash Mr. Robot smiling. Yeah, um, it actually has me excited for the next one. I want to see how this changes the the dynamic in the relationship. Yeah, no, I think that, honestly, these are three solid, strong episodes. This is exactly what Mr. Robot needed to do to get me back on board and reinvested and, and... And again, like I said, maybe it will turn out that uh, season two will be much better in retrospect. Um, But I don't care because season three is really good right off the bat. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, before we move on, I just got to tell you, uh, so much depends on the club.volmove.com. Uh, this podcast certainly does. Yeah, these these particle accelerators don't build themselves. No, no. These pods don't cast themselves. Uh, we rely on the majority of our funding. Uh, we rely on our, our listeners' direct support, which is awesome. It gives us a, a good amount of freedom in which we operate and the opinions in which we're able to 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 spit. Um, but it does require people's support. You can go to club.baldmove.com. Like, I, if, it, if it wasn't for the club, we wouldn't be doing this full-time. If we weren't doing it full-time, full we sure as hell wouldn't have the time to cover Mr. Robot. Um, so if you do like our show and you want to help us out, go to club.baldmove.com. You get a lot of cool things. In fact, one of the cool things dropped this week, it's a little thing we call the Empire Business, where we give a fully transparent look at the behind-the-scenes goings-on of, of uh, Bald Move. We actually did... Uh, kind of an audit review of our finances this year and looked at like, like how much money we've made versus our projections and what our plans for the future are. If that sounds kind of interesting, it's one of the many extra bonus features you can get by joining the club. You can get ad-free feeds so you don't have to listen to me hawk the club anymore. That's cool. You get VIP access to the forums. 
uh, spoiler first run movie reviews, all kinds of other exclusive audio and video content at club.baldmove.com. Do we have some feedback to do? We do. We have a bit of uh, feedback. Hallie L. So as a New Yorker who's the target demographic of SoulCycle, I wanted to try to explain to you what it was. SoulCycle is a cultish indoor cycling fr- uh, class franchise known for providing shitty workouts that are arguably dangerous for your back. In New oh. York, there are many cult-like fitness franchises such as Equinox, which is a high-end gym that costs a couple hundred a month in base fees. SoulCycle, CrossFit, which I'm sure you know of. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. You combine SoulCycle and CrossFit together? All You're you going to just destroy do you yourself. Want, do you want to know about CrossFit? Just go out to the sidewalk and scream... Who's doing cross or no no just just wait for someone to volunteer that they do it. It's like you'll uh-huh. yeah, you'll you'll you I don't see how anyone can not know about CrossFit at this point. They're so goddamn evangelical. CrossFit should should come with free health insurance is all I'm saying. Their form they don't they don't they don't emphasize form. No, no they, they sure don't. don't. All that's hundreds of years of bodybuilding and mm-hmm. weight training and all that stuff. Ah, bullshit. <laughs> bullshit. Uh, please don't, please don't email me about CrossFit. <laughs> no. I, I swear to God, I'll just, I will any, not respond. Any email with CrossFit goes into the trash. Uh, which I'm sure you know of and a few other less famous fin fran- franchises. I think it's safe to say that SoulCycle is the least respected of the fitness cult companies. They get made of fun, fun of basically all the time. My husband and I about died laughing when the douchey E-Corp guy was talking about it. Um, yeah, he seems like the kind of guy. She also forwarded me a video that had, uh, it's like, gir- I think it's called, it's a series called Girls vs. Sweat. And they attend a, a cl- and I was blown away. Cause this is it's it's like it's imagine a cycling class where it's set inside of a EDM club. Oh god! It's dark. There's strobe lighting. There's pounding music. There's this guy and they're like doing all these weird. It's like 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 this uh, like they're doing like fucking cardio boxing on top of a bicycle and they're doing weights and do, do you, they, yeah, at seems... any point do you pedal with your hands no no it's no? all feet pedaling Shit, feet there's pedaling. still room in the market i gotta get in <laughs> yeah that's full the, body workout uh cross cycle all right you pedal with your feet just ignore all <laughs> all norms about about form like you know we've been pedaling pedal with our feet for hundreds of years, yeah, that's that's the problem. That's mm-hmm. the problem. You gotta start pedaling with your hands. Yeah, wait, the new shit has come to light. Baroness von Dingler. That, says, that's not a real name. It's probably not. I uh, can't believe y'all didn't have more to say about Joanna's untimely demise on the show. Like, do you think this is mm. really how Sam intended her story to end, or did he just wrap it up because her parts were some of the most disliked from last season? I'm curious. What's your thoughts? I don't know. I mean, it seems a little extreme to kill off a character because. People didn't like her last season. They do that shit, though. Yeah, but I feel like that's a huge course correction. Like, why not do some minor shifts first and see if those sit better with the audience? And then you can, you know, end the career of an actress. I think it's kind of slightly uncomfortable. she's not going to have a career after this, obviously. But my realization is I feel like her arc was just to provide further pathos for Tyrell Mm -hmm. Uh, to to a large degree yeah yeah which makes like I don't know how you make that I because Tyrell will never know any of this shit or to so like so all of her so the frustrating angle is like all of her interesting crazy development last season Mm -hmm. I can't see how it matter I can't see how it matters at all yeah, last season is tough. I think season one, she's she's more integral to 
to the plot Although, like, because Tyrell it, Tyrell has always been second banana right like it's not Tyrell pushing forward necessarily and thinking I'm going to be this god it's kind of Joanna pushing him as well it, it's a combination of the two like his his motivation and Joanna like saying what kind of man are you um, huh. I think and, and in season one that was important to move him forward and to drive him to the length or, or to the links that he goes to, which is to team up with Elliot. Yeah, and I wonder... Season two, she seems almost vestigal. I wonder if... Because uh, I said that, like, nothing of her storyline will matter because there's no way Tyrell will find out about it. But I guess Government Issue Face Man did survive. He did, yeah. And uh, if he were inclined to, he could fill her in that, like, you know, Joanne was true blue till the end and did her own vengeance again. Like, I mean... But that, she that... was... She definitely was banging. Right... Uh, yeah, boy toy. But Tyrell, bang, you know, like that's that's kind that's of the thing. thing. I think one of the most telling things is in that interview with Wallace Shawn, the interrogation. He both says yes, he cheated on Joanna, but also yes, he loves Joanna, and they're both the truth, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I think the same could certainly be true of Joanna. Yeah, they had in a, regard a to Frank and Claire Underwood situation going on, and also yeah. you know the other thing about that's obviously going to carry forward is Tyrell's son still out there. Mm-hmm. And I forget what did the FBI say about his they're doing something with their child like they're just giving it to social services like that's yep. probably going to be a plot of Tyrell ch- searching for his child and, and getting back getting him back under his control mm-hmm. or, or maybe not I don't know because uh, he's afraid to be his father maybe he decides maybe that's his arc is he's going to make peace with the fact that his son's in a better place. <laughs> maybe I'm guilty of speculating on things that are not in evidence. Let's move mm-hmm. on to Joshua K. Oh, man, you're getting another drubbing, Jim. Okay, Jim, Am I? maybe you haven't seen all Pulp Fiction. Fine. But to go swiftly from chastising you for missing your yeah. milkshake joke to doubly missing a well-crafted memento John G. joke, too much to handle. Starting to question your qualifications on this podcast. Hmm. Then he says, just kidding. But I, I don't remember the joke you made. I know. It was memento, I know. obviously. This happens. Like I, I make sly pop culture references to whiz over your head like on the reg. Yeah. It happens the same way because, like, when I listen to our podcast, I realize how much, like, side remarks you interject during my monologues that I'm not paying attention to because I'm trying to formulate my next thought. Yeah, it happens. We're we're doing, like, six other things while we're having a conversation here. Right. <laughs> like, looking ahead for the next email, mm-hmm. uh, knowing when to jump in, trying mm-hmm. – like, there's so much that goes into it. It's it's tough to catch everything. It's a simulated but the discussion. Funny, the funniest thing is <laughs> – I think I also went ahead and made another Pulp Fiction joke, right? Which is, I, I think, think what he what said you, last... Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I don't know. But yeah, uh, I, I, I don't know. It's it also happens. That, yeah, it's, 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 this, this timeline version of Jim hasn't seen all of Pulp Fiction or Memento. Also, I've seen Still Memento like twice, ever. Right. And one of them was maybe six months ago. The other was like 15 years ago, so... right. Uh, moving on, Kyle L. On the S3E2 Mr. Robot episode, Aaron mentioned uh, Elliot was so broken that he didn't realize he's in prison. I think Aaron got it wrong and would love to get your thoughts. My understanding of the prison reveal is Elliot was shielding the viewer from the facts but knew it all along. He felt betrayed by the viewer, so he purposely held information from us. Oh, and he God. linked the clip to the video. I still stand by my original assertion that until Kristen, his therapist, called him on it, he did not realize he was in prison and that whole monologue where he says yes he says he's sorry that he didn't tell us the truth but he also that's the one thing i think that supports your argument but the rest of his speeches 
I created this fantasy to shield myself from the reality like a cocoon so I could heal and get better. I think that says that Elliot himself didn't understand the situation he was in. Even though he created the fantasy? I mean, yeah. He, he knows that he intentionally created that fantasy in order to... I think he does in retrospect, but that's like asking mm-hmm. someone that's having, like, you know, a, a, like a delusionary, uh, uh, you know, manic-depressive, like, right now, are the ninjas really out to get you, Bill? Are they really out? Like, they're, or what are they going right, to say? Oh, no, I'm between... pretending. Like, it's it's all from your generated from your mind, so that's what makes right, it scary. That's, that's the, the point here is it's all, like, I guess, pretending... Or it's the difference between saying I and saying my mind, right. you know, because I has some intentionality to it. My mind is more like out of my control at, like, at some point. And like I said, the lines are blurry and the show loves to play with that fact. So, like, I mm-hmm. think you can mount an argument against that. But I like I said, I, I still feel I'm, I'm comfortable saying that Elliot uh, wasn't aware of how much he's deluded. And, and remain. I think that's kind of remains the case throughout the series, like so far throughout the series, like. You know, like now him and Mr. Robot are bifurcated. What mm-hmm. does that even fucking mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think some of this stuff, like in season one, they built it all in kind of real life pathology. But now we've kind of gone more into fantasy because I'm not aware of like I, I thought split personalities was pretty much a thing that was bullshit and made up. And now you've got like split personalities that aren't even aware of each other mm-hmm. and aren't aware of what they're doing. Like that's that's pushing the boundaries of, of neuropsych pretty far, I think. But whatever. It's fiction. Have you so, seen the M. Night Shyamalan James split? McAvoy movie? No. I heard that was good. I heard that was where like M. Night is coming back. Okay. He's, he's, I haven't he's, seen it. He's uh, pulled himself off the canvas on a nine count and is fighting back from his corner. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's on my list of things to watch. Travis S. Hey, guys, just response to your inquiry about Mr. Robot streaming ratings. Season one, season two are currently streaming on Amazon Prime, and the show is consistently on its trending most popular category. As for the ratings, even if USA decides to pull the plug, I totally could see Amazon picking it up. They're finally starting to change it up and greenlight more genre shows. And with the show's built-in following and critics' awards recognition, Amazon would be falling on their face if they didn't pick it up, in my opinion. That's a good point. You say that, and we're in, like, season four of Man in the High Castle or whatever. They've been on that train for a while. Well, but, I mean, I... I Shows getting can't like it, now. If 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 Firefly got canceled today, Netflix or Amazon would have snapped it up almost immediately. Yeah. So like there is this thing that like if Mr. Robot doesn't find success on USA, maybe Netflix or maybe Amazon or maybe Hulu picks it up because Netflix did that with the Killing. Uh, they did it with the Rested Development. They did it with uh, where's another one that I know another show has been transferred to either amazon or netflix that i'm i'm thinking of but i can't quite but you know whatever point, yeah, that's... point made though yeah um certainly certainly the the small shows that get canceled on network television and don't make it get transferred over to the more niche style broadcast or the not even broadcast you know online right. streaming services right uh, Miles L, uh, wondering if anyone else noticed discrepancy in this episode. In this last season, we see Dom find a shell casing in F Society Arcade. Yeah, okay, this is the one. He, he actually sent screenshots where you can see clearly an empty shell casing that's recovered and then the actual gun cartridge, which is the bullet and casing combined. It just means that the bullet came out at some point. Or 
it's still under one of those machines or where we've got some kind of unreliable narration kind of thing going or the timeline has shifted or the dimensions have bled <laughs> i mean we, we we don't know but oh you didn't see well why rose pops in in the corner of the frame and pulls the bullet out and leaves the cartridge she literally does that thing with her mouth and her, she, 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 you know, she actually makes the pop. Yeah, uh-huh. that's just how time travel works. Power move, Alex G. I also think the way the crisis is depicted in the show is defensible. Um, he's taken me to task for my tot dab scale. If E Corp is a stand-in for one of the big four banks, it would have to have at least two trillion in total assets and would be deeply interconnected with other financial institutions. The loss of that amount of money from one institution would eclipse what happened in 2008, and the government would have a hard time controlling the damage. That said, the people who bank with E-Corp and the small businesses that depend on credit from E-Corp would be hit much worse than those who bank with, say, Bank of America. I think that can explain why the scale of the crisis in the show seems to vary depending on who we are hearing from. A lot of luck goes into determining how badly we are affected by the financial downturn. So I think his thesis hmm. is, like, let's say that E-Corp is one of the four or five major banks in North America, and it and goes by under. by far the biggest. And then everything else is ice. It's isolated that. And then, like, if you're like a Chase Manhattan or Bank of America guy, then your bank accounts are going to still be intact. And I don't think that's how banking works. Now, also, what because, what problem, what perceived problem would that solve for Mister Robot or Elliot? Well, he's not looking for the total collapse of a single bank. He's right. looking for the total collapse of a global economy. I still think it's literally the horns of a dilemma. Because let's let's walk this out. Back when the banking crisis actually happened in 2008, the hand-wringing was if we – like these banks are too big to fail. If we don't bail these institutions out, it will lead to a worldwide financial collapse. Mm-hmm. In this universe, the government – well, in all of our in, – in our real universe and the show's universe, the government stepped in and the chi- Chinese stepped in with a cash influ- infusion that saved E-Corp. So – yeah. Like, we didn't have a worldwide collapse in 2008. Now, a lot of people think we should have had, and, like, maybe we wouldn't have had a collapse. But, like, let's, again, let's go with the show's own internal universe. I don't know why anything's collapsed at all. And then, like, if a bank was allowed to collapse, then I don't think it would be an instance like, woo, glad I was with Chase Manhattan, like, because these things are all over leveraged and they all loan each other money and it's all like like one of them fails it leads to a a, a catastrophic collapse it's like you know saying you'd be okay if just your leg got cut off like one one of the one of the big (laughs) banks did fail during the 2008 crisis right like we let it go it went out of business before we got to the bailout procedures wasn't it Bear Bear Stearns? Or? But that's not that's an investment firm. It wasn't like yeah yeah. I mean, I think there's a distinction it's there. A, yeah, it's a large financial financial institution, but uh, right. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. I mean, like I said I I'm not I'm not an I'm not an econ major. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm way way out of my depth. I'm here. certain there's that Sam Esmail is not this. an econ major. Um, so I, it just seems to me as a, as a layman who's interested in the subject that like the show wants to have it both ways mm-hmm. and it works if you look at it from the one angle, but then if you look, it's kind of like one of those optical illusions where it's like, oh, this looks like a mess of sticks. But then if you look at it from the right angle, it's a man's face, but then you go look at the left angle, it's a fucking mess of sticks. Like, I feel like that's the mm-hmm. problem with the show is that if you stand and say oh well yeah the one bank collapsed so like you know it's essentially one out of four americans is destitute everybody else is fine okay but then you look at it from the fact that this one bank also got two trillion from the chinese and like a trillion from the u.s government so why are they collapsing Mm -hmm. 
it 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 doesn't really make sense. It's still yeah. So like fair. I said, I, I I get I appreciate what you're trying to do, and I'm and again the whole idea of the tot dab is for me just to say like okay, tot dab on here is this or that, and I can just move on instead of having a 15 minute conversation every fucking week. But yeah, again, if there's a real econ major out there that wants to, to drop some the, your professional opinion or your your uh your scholastic opinion um on this your academic opinion on this i'd be happy to to entertain it um keep it brief i mean i i that's the thing right like i imagine econ major yeah, like there's I, no way i can give you a 15 page executive summary on why this universe is either is or not fucked but i doubt they can send me a three paragraph like yeah like go take an economics class jackass um liam w from indianapolis uh, our old hometown. Never heard of it. I, well, you know, I, I hear it has the world's the, the the Midwest's largest indoor paintball arena. Oh, I thought that was just a front. That may play <laughs> exclusive Chinese mafia. That may play exclusively Offspring, Rage Against Machine, and Cypress <laughs> Hill on repeat. Uh, so I know Aaron hates Tyrell, but I'm here to hopefully make him ambivalent, which is the best I think I can hope for. The character highlighted a lot of things that I like, nay love, about this character. I'm sorry, the episode highlighted. I got that wrong. First off, I want to combat the first big problem with Tyrell on the show, which is him beating up a homeless man. In this episode, it appears that his wood chopping, which he did as a child, was what he did to balance himself to regulate his craziness. And I think he only hated it because he hated his dad. Right. And his dad was the one who probably made him chop wood. Now, I know that's unorthodox, but it seems like something who works and wants to climb up the ladder at Evil Corp would need. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe chop wood or take cardio boxing or, like, soul cycle. Don't fucking just go and beat up a homeless person. Yeah, I... Like I don't that, know. Like, <laughs> like, like you try and defend your hatred of the, the homeless beating. I mean, I... Defend my hatred of the homeless beating. Like I don't have to defend As it. As portrayed by the show, it's yeah, like, it's a just, despicable thing he's doing. But I'm just saying, a like, lot of bad characters are in this show. I don't think it makes Apple him executive? unbelievable. Tim Cook. Uh-huh. Tim Cook's tightly wound. One would say as tight as a chinchilla's asshole. Uh-huh. Do you think he goes out in public? Just, no, just goes certainly out to some not. But he's not a fictionalized character on a TV show either. What happens if someone gets this on a cell phone and finds out that the interim CIO of fucking E Corp is going around beating up homeless people? Yeah, it'd be bad for him, man. He's an unstable guy. Like they should have had him go to an underground hobo fighting club. Did like those, I just don't like the fact did he did it on the, like he just did it impulsively on the street is what like made him seem. Like, a character that fucking fragile and reckless could not climb the corporate ladder the way he did. Okay. That's 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 my defense of it. All right. Sure. Okay. He says, now hear me out, because he's already hearing me ranting and raving all the way from Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Uh, he makes mistakes, like with the honeypot or impulsively murdering that woman. Okay. Yeah. Mistakes. Mistakes were made. Mm-hmm. But this makes him imperfect and with those strange impulses human. Tyrell is sexually fluid, showing that they're, uh, showing it is a spectrum and just his full, crazy, insane belief in this higher power that believes God jammed the gun is so human, so blindly, stupidly confident, you might think he was in a cult. I could go on forever, but everything he has done, uh, and sure, this episode may help reflect a better light on his past ap- actions. For me, it makes him feel more like a real person. Um, I, he goes, I hope Aaron, you can admit that, uh, you don't like him because he's an awful person, not because he's unbelievable or sensational or not real. I don't know that that's true. Why do I have to admit that? Like, 
I mean, I have... Yeah, I mean, I watch a lot of characters who are not real on television, and I don't have right. a problem with it. Yeah. It's it's when stories become unbelievable in the universe that they've set up. Like, And I think I think Mr. Robot, wa- and we talked about this with Todd Davino, so Mr. Robot walks this fine rope of being very grounded in reality to an obsessive detail in certain areas. Yeah. And then it goes way off the reservation in some of the stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that's okay. Like, but but you know, part of me doing this podcast is I speak my mind. I don't think about like, well, if I say I don't like the Tyrell character, then there's going to be people on the internet that are mad at me. It's like I just, oh yeah, that's... yeah. I mean, I got like I, I just like, and when you're talking about swaying my mind on a subjective opinion, I don't know. Like I said, this this episode did a, a long way to rehabilitate his character for me, um, because I don't think anything that he did in this episode is particularly crazy. Maybe falling in love with Elliot at first sight. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's certainly human. I just like I said, like if if Tyrell wasn't like on the C suite level of E Corp, run around publicly beating bums, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Like he's just there's just him and Joanna are just too fucking crazy for the station they're at in life. Okay, all right, let's yeah. let's let's let's, let's sure. move on. Uh, Stu Dog from Michigan. I found it a bit of a horseshit that the cop recognized Tyrell, an average-looking white guy what? wearing bumfuck clothes and bumfuck, no- bumfuck nowhere, walking 100 yards away, and he thinks, hey, that's the most wanted man in America. He obviously had more than just a hunch because he turned his lights on and went blazing after him right away. In real life, you wouldn't give him a second look. Uh, do you agree with that? No, because he's acting suspicious as hell. He does the same thing that every wanted person in a movie or TV show does, and he tries to look casual while looking conspicuous as fuck. Right. He's putting his head down. He's tur- tugging on his hat. He's got sunglasses on. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He, that looks like a, a guilty guy. Also, like you know, it's like going back to the Osama bin Laden. I understand he's a much more distinctive looking fellow. Yeah. But like, I I just feel like like Matt like Matt Damon is just an average looking white guy. But if you saw him in a beard and a hat walking across the street, you'd yeah. probably be like, that guy looks a lot like Matt Damon. It might be Matt Damon. And mm-hmm. you might even approach him and say, are you Matt Damon and want his autograph? Yeah. Like, even in a hat and sunglasses. Like, it's, and, and it's like, obvious. Tyrell's face being all over. To, like, he is the Osama bin Laden in this universe. Oh, yeah. Like, I feel like a cop, if he even thought it might be and he's acting weird, yeah, he's going to flip on his lights and hassle this guy unless he had to get home, you know, unless he's late for a, a dinner date with his wife, you know, like, there's all, but, like, I, I felt like that's, yeah, that seemed fairly realistic. That's the hunch part of it. Yeah. I mean, it's like. It's Not like, being sure, but checking anyway. Right. And, like, you know, it's his bad luck that I guess he gets to the first town over and the first cop yeah. he meets recognizes him. But like, or that there's even a cop there at all. Like, that's, yeah, it's super unlucky that shit for happens, Tyrell. man. Like, you know, that's, like, half the plot of The Fugitive is Harrison Ford <laughs> that's true. walking around in Chicago looking like Harrison Ford, you know, w- wigging out every single time he walks past a cop car because it's dangerous. I don't know. Uh-huh. I feel like, yeah, like, this and- guy... Is all over the news. These this guy is like um, there's a national international manhunt for him. I think it's it's totally believable that a cop would decide that he's going to try to make his spurs. Because the thing is, like if he, he pulls up and is not Tyrell, yeah, he's lost nothing. Yeah, he finds his ID, checks to see if he's got any warrants. Like, all right, you know, to, to stay out of trouble in my town, he goes on his way. And the thing is, we as human beings are pattern matching machines when it comes to faces like that is the number one thing we do practically so 
to say that it's like a stretch that he would not notice him or that he would like re- realize who he is with a beard and sunglasses and a hat uh-huh. I-, I feel like that's not recognizing how good human beings are at recognizing those patterns the hilarious thing is i pulled matt damon out of my ass but i'm just now realizing i have i'm staring at an eight foot tall you are photograph of matt damon subconsciously uh, your yeah. brain went to matt damon because you see his face if you don't know Jim has a ridiculously large vinyl <laughs> poster of Matt Damon from The Martian as his backdrop. It covers him. our entire wall and it's it folded is. over. I'm, twice. I'm not exaggerating. It's eight foot tall and he's glaring at me and I just, just to- totally pulled his subconsciously pulled it out of my ass. Um, that's it for the feedback this week. Okay. We'll be back next week with another episode of Mr. Robot. Uh, you can send us feedback at robot at baldmove.com you can also discuss on the forums the latest episode with your for your fellow fans at forums.baldmove.com follow us at all the social media search for bald move we're probably there uh and then you know baldmove.com is where it all happens mm-hmm. so that's it we'll see you next week until then i'm aaron and i'm jim later <laughs>